How would you like a 15% discount to my daily email, the stack of stuff, the show notes, discounts to the conference, all of that? All you need to do is text the word SHOW to 33777. You'll get the annual subscription with a 15% discount to my daily email. You'll get the stack of stuff, the links to the show notes, discounts to the conference, and so much more. All you have to do is text the word SHOW, S-H-O-W, to 33777. Text SHOW to 33777. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Greetings, conversationalists. It's Eric Erickson here. I hope you had a great weekend. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. As always, text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. You can get the links to the show notes, the podcast, the live stream, social media, all that great stuff. Glad to have you with me, and I want to turn your attention to something. The White House had the media Christmas party over the weekend. Now, when you're in the press, you have an adversarial relationship with the president, particularly if the president is Republican. Joe Biden doesn't like their age criticism of him, though. But even though you're 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 technically adversarial in some ways, although not really to Democrats. When the president of the United States of America invites you and a plus one to the White House to tour for Christmas and see the Christmas decorations and have your picture taken with the president, you tend to go. I thought this is very notable from Ben Smith at Semaphore. The White House holiday party for the press corps is one of those occasions where journalists balance their adversarial independence and their institutional role and invariably decide to come to the party in the cheerily decorated East Wing. Even the New York Times, which eschews the White House Correspondents Association Affairs in a delegation. Attendees got the opportunity to bring a friend or family member to the White House for a photo with the president, a hard thing to turn down. Given the goodwill of the captive, well-fed audience, Wednesday's party was also a prime opportunity for President Joe Biden to dispel his main problem with the U.S. media right now, the undercurrent of concern he's too old for the job. It was an opportunity in some sense to say, hey, you idiots, I may be old, but I'm fine. This was clearly the goal of brief remarks he made at the East Wing party, which began with the usual joke, I'm for a free press even when you drive me crazy, but then he strayed into a couple of hazy monologues which ended only when his wife interrupted him to remind him it was a party. His speech wasn't terrible or even noteworthy. But everybody in the room realized Biden had a simple rhetorical job and hadn't pulled it off. That's right. Joe Biden reinforced in everybody's mind he's too old for the job when he shouldn't do that. In fact, that is a larger consensus and a growing body of evidence of the polling shows that more and more Americans are realizing that given the choice between dementia-addled Joe Biden and Donald Trump, they might prefer Donald Trump. There's new polling out of Michigan and Georgia that has Donald Trump well ahead of Joe Biden, and there's the Iowa polling in the primary that shows Trump now above 50% of the primary. 
And so the conspiracy theories are starting to set in and the reality is starting to set in. The theories, the conspiracies, the prognostications, the predictions, they're all starting to collide. And to some degree, you can kind of see it coming. So I'm on WORD in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, Tara Servatius is uh, before me. She's the morning show host of the Tara Show. She's got a thread several people have sent me this morning. Uh, she writes on Twitter, the Democrats are running a PSYOP on GOP voters and we're walking right into their trap. Bookmark this handy guide. Now, consolidate GOP voter support behind Trump by convincing Republicans with manipulated polls that Trump can easily beat Biden. Ignore and don't promote the internals of these polls that show if Trump is convicted, Biden is unpopular as he is, beats Trump by 6 to 10 points, cheating or no cheating. From January to December to January, the mainstream media runs a relentless media campaign to ensure Nikki Haley, a uniparty member who is essentially a Democrat, is maneuvered into second position in the GOP primary. As an insurance policy, March, start the first major Trump trial after Super Tuesday, by which time enough GOP primary nominating contests will have cemented Trump as the nominee. May to June, lower the boom, convict Trump for the first time ahead of the GOP nominating convention. The internals of Democrat polls have been telling us for months that GOP will fracture if Trump's convicted, with 50% wanting Trump to stay off the ba- on the ballot and 50% wanting to dump him. August, for the final coup de grace, Democrats replace Biden as their nominee with a much more popular Democrat who is unveiled to great MSM acclaim at their August conventions. November, massive, maybe even historic Democratic landslide gives the Dems the numbers they need in the House and the Senate. This is one view. And by the way, I think uh, Tara is right on a lot of points. I don't know that it's a conspiracy. I think it's just inevitable uh, if if you follow the cards and the Democrats have been laying this out, they want to convict Trump. They want to do it in one of many trials this year. They want to do it before the election, but after the primaries, the trials are aligned to mostly happen after the primaries. It's it's a real world scenario. Now, I, I, I've been thinking about the polling here because I somehow or another fell into a group and I gotta, I gotta deliver a paper to them this week. I gotta. So this group is: you meet once a month, you deliver an academic paper, and buy everybody dinner. I, I, I fell in. I made the mistake of showing up one time with a buddy of mine, and and suddenly I'm in the group. <laughs> but you know, it's it's a great group. It's it's some college presidents and lawyers and doctors and and prominent businessmen in the area. Um, a couple of judges on the federal and and state judges. It's it's it, a lot of them are longtime friends of mine. And I'm going to talk about polling. I've been interviewing pollsters, very prominent pollsters, because there is this sentiment among some Republicans that the polls are designed to shape our opinion as opposed to um, telling us what's actually going on. If you are not a Trump Republican right now, your sentiment is that the polls are designed to shape people's opinion for Trump. If you are a Trump supporter right now, the polls are just showing what's going on on the ground. And that's kind of the tell that the polls aren't really shaping opinion. Now, a lot of you will think the polls are shaping opinion, but I've talked to Republican pollsters. I've talked to Democratic pollsters. I've talked to campaign pollsters. 
related to the Trump people, the DeSantis people, the Haley people, the Biden people. I've talked outside pollsters and media pollsters. None of the pollsters, Democrat, Republican, Independent, believe that the polls at the media level, the public opinion polling, are designed to shape you. In fact, one of the Republican pollsters pointed out that you will note you're not seeing the internal polling from Haley and DeSantis and Christie right now, or even Ramaswamy. You're not because all of their polls also show Donald Trump in the lead. The The fact of the matter is the polling shows a majority of Republicans want Donald Trump. It's not shaping opinion. It's showing you opinion. And the proof of that is that there's no uh, – if DeSantis had an opinion to dispute the public opinion polling out there, he would show it to you, and he's not. So it's not a conspiracy of pollsters trying to shape opinion so much as a lot of Republicans are enthusiastic about Donald Trump. At least that's what they're telling pollsters. There is, among some of the pollsters I've talked to, Democrat and Republican, a suggestion that Donald Trump's support is actually not as prominent as the public polling shows and that it's the corollary or the, or the, the flip from 2016. In 2016, Donald Trump outperformed all the polls because a lot of people in the Republican Party supported him and were scared to say so because of the bullying. And there are some pollsters who believe right now that the Trump support is manifest larger in the polling than it actually is because a lot of his uh, opponents, DeSantis, Haley, and the like, and their supporters are kind of scared of the blowback they get from the Trump people. Regardless... If you talk to Republican pollsters and Democratic pollsters who aren't releasing their polls, their polls are much more detailed than the public opinion polling. They're much more expensive. They're much more granular. They go much deeper. They're for the candidates to try to find a path. Increasingly, their polling shows a lot of the Republicans, majority of the Republicans, support Trump. And their polling also shows the more you hit Trump, the more it helps Trump. That's what their unreleased polling shows. So I have a hard time believing the public polling is trying to shape our perception when the internal polls for the campaigns are showing the same thing. Now, you could say, well, because those public polls shaped everyone's perception. But if that's the case, then try out new polling and, and show uh, and, and shift. But they're not. They're, they're just trying to shape. None, none of the pollsters I, I know, none of the pollsters I've talked to believe that the polling actually shapes public perception. They're just trying to capture where the public is. It's also much harder now, and it's much less accurate because in the past, everybody had a landline. You call the landline, most people answered. When caller ID started, less people answered, but still most people answered. Then you got cell phones. Uh, the rules are different for calling cell phones from landlines. Landlines, you can do use a computer to auto-dial phone numbers. With a cell phone, you have to physically have someone dial the phone number. You can't do random computer-generated auto-dial. It's against the law, so it's harder to pull um, mobile phones, fewer and fewer people answer when they don't recognize the number, so the polling is less accurate. A national poll of Americans is more accurate than a state poll. State poll is more accurate than a county poll. County poll is more accurate than a city poll because the pool and the broad expanse of people at a national level is much broader. That helps the poll with more accuracy. And even most pollsters I talk to say polling is slowly dying. It's less and less accurate. Though at the parameters of, of, of national polling, you can still kind of get a sense of what's going on. 
So now this gets me back to to Tara's piece is is I would disagree to a degree that the the polls at the public level are being manipulated. I no Republican or Democratic pollster I've talked to believes that's the case. Their internal polling shows the same. They believe they're polling. They think it's a reflection of what's going on here, uh, and that as several of them pointed out as well, that uh, no Trump supporter believes the polls are being manipulated. They all believe it's it's the people who believe the polls are manipulated are the ones who don't support Trump. Once the race consolidates, Trump's the nominee or not, whoever it is, and it shows the Republican ahead, no Republican is going to say the poll's going to be manipulated. It depends on where your candidate is. But beyond that, I think Tara shows exactly where this is headed for most people. When you do look at the underlying fundamentals, a Trump indictment fundamentally disrupts the race, and he is very likely to be a Trump conviction. He's very likely to be convicted in Florida just because of the, the nature of that case, unless the judge finds a way to throw it out. It's the most she's got he's got the most favorable judge in that case, but also the most unfavorable fact pattern for him. It balances itself out. If he is convicted, however, that will shift public opinion against him pretty dramatically. People don't want to vote for a convicted felon. You move beyond there. Y'all, this is why I started with the Ben Smith piece. Joe Biden has an opportunity to convince the public and the press in the room with him that he's sharp and he flubs it. He didn't even have to do much of anything, and he's still flubbed telling the press, I'm okay, I'm competent and fit to be president. He flubs it in a private, off-the-record Christmas party. He flubs it. I don't see how the Democrats can replace Joe Biden right now in the primary process because the ballot access rules the way they work. It's increasingly difficult to get a new person in to challenge him. But I have a harder and harder time seeing that by the time we get to August, Joe Biden is not going to be emotionally, mentally, physically suffering so much that the Democrats realize they can't put him up and maybe they're stuck with Kamala. Maybe they open it up at the convention. But you go through the summer, you find Trump convicted in one of these cases, and he becomes the Republican nominee. I absolutely think the Democrats pull a bait and switch. I, I think the writings of the wall, and, and that I, I think whether you believe the polling's manipulated and designed to build this, or you believe it's just a reflection of the voters right now, either way, the outcome is still the same. Tara and I lined up in the same position at the end, where I do believe that the Democrats do swap out Joe Biden for someone else in the end. I have a hard time. They can't do it in the primary. They got to do it at the convention. I think he's got to step aside. It probably leaves it to Kamala, which is a disaster still for the Democrats. But you get Donald Trump convicted, which they absolutely want to do, it becomes real hard to get independent voters to come his way. They may all stay home, but the Democratic field becomes so energized having Donald Trump as the nominee, they overwhelm. Right now, though, it looks very good for Donald Trump. I just don't think that's a manipulation. I just think that's the reality of where it is right now. But the rest of reality won't dawn until you have a conviction and you have a fired-up Democratic base of people who want to stop a convicted felon from becoming president, that shakes everything up. And if Republicans don't realize it right now, they walk right into this. The Democrats set it up perfectly for the GOP to do. And remember, it's the Democrats who in 2022 poured a lot of money into trumpeting pro-Trump candidates they knew would lose in the general election. They're kind of experts at doing this, and we're kind of experts on our side of falling for it every single time. Yes, you can. Phone lines are open. Speaking of that Iowa survey, um, it's it had been notable for a while. 
The dynamics in Iowa, according to the Des Moines Register, have changed. Uh, Donald Trump had been around 40%, but in the latest polling is at 51%. So for a while, you could make the argument that consolidation would really help uh, one of the other candidates, DeSantis or Haley, particularly DeSantis. But at this point, it's looking like Donald Trump is going to win Iowa. I still think DeSantis' ground game in Iowa, given the way caucuses work, you show up at the event. You don't just go cast your ballot and whatnot. Um, You're there. Now, it's not like the Democratic caucus, but I I still think there's an opening. However, the Des Moines Register poll with NBC News probably should make me rethink that. It's got Donald Trump up 32 points. Now, what's notable, however, is that it shows Ron DeSantis uh, bumping back up a little bit uh, at 19%. Trafalgar had him at 22, but the Iowa State Civics poll had him at 18. Uh, You've got DeSantis and Haley both up there. DeSantis almost at 20% and Haley at 16%. Ramaswamy and Christie, 5 and 4% each. Asa Hutchinson, of course, is still technically the race, but doesn't matter. Um, I, I, at this, I have a hard time seeing why Ramaswamy and Christie are still in the race at this point, in all honesty. Uh, the only thing I can say for Christie is that he is doing well in New Hampshire. Ramaswamy's not anywhere. He's not gaining traction. Uh, but Donald Trump reigns supreme in this race. And at this point, the other candidates have got to start thinking, do I even have a shot? Because the polling suggests it's Trump's to lose. Now, I still think he can, but it's becoming harder and harder to see how, barring external events, the candidates themselves have not manufactured events by which to disrupt his lead. Stamps.com wants to disrupt the line standing in the holiday season and just let them come to you. Whether it's the post office or UPS, you can bypass the lines. They'll come to you. They'll pick up your packages. Y'all, Stamps.com has saved me a lot of heartache, headache, time, and money in in the past. It's just great. I've been using them for 20 years. I don't have to go to the post office or UPS and stand in a line to ship a package. I can arrange pickup at my home or office with them. I can find the cheapest way to send a package. I can find the fastest way to get a package to someone. I can save up to 84% off. You can too. And there's no contract. There is no contract design. There's no long-term commitment. All there is is go to stamps.com, click on the microphone, and put in my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K. You'll get a limited time offer with free postage, a free digital scale sent to your address, and then you can start shipping. All you need is a computer and a printer. You get a label or even even a the postage and or you, you, you piece of paper and some tape, and you print out your labels, you stick them on the packages, and you arrange pickup at your office. It's easy. Stamps.com. Click on the microphone. Put in Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425. You know, I say across the nation. You want to know the weirdest thing? I, I, It is weird. So the show live streams, and it, it's kind of an interesting thing in that the show essentially it, it plays from noon to three, and then it repeats every three hours, so it gets noon the next day on, on the live stream. <laughs> the number of people who listen in Singapore I, I don't I don't understand why thousands of people listen in Singapore every day. And the only thing I can think that makes sense is there's got to be some VPN routing where it's not actually people. I, I, otherwise, I got a lot of listeners in Singapore. So hi to those of you in Singapore. Beautiful country, beautiful people, fantastic airport, best airline in the world. Um, welcome. <laughs> 
although it's like, what, one thirty in the morning there right now. Goodness. All right. Um, we got to we got to move on. I love this story so much. I, I genuinely the story makes me happy. So they've been having the uh, COP28 Climate Summit in Dubai, my former hometown where I grew up. And it is the, the, the climate change conference, part of the United Nations uh, climate conference. And uh, turns out they have dropped in the draft agreement, they've dropped references to the phase out of fossil fuels in favor of reducing consumption after opposition from oil and gas producing countries led by Saudi Arabia. I love this story so much. This is hilarious to me. Uh, not only that, the next year they're going to do the climate summit in, I think, Uzbekistan, which is also an oil-producing country. It's hilarious to me. This is from the Financial Times. A draft agreement for the UN's COP28 climate summit dropped reference to the phase-out of fossil fuels after opposition from countries like Saudi Arabia. The document, which will have to be agreed to by almost 200 countries at the summit in Dubai, sets out an optional range of actions that countries could take to cut emissions to net zero by 2050. That includes reducing consumption and production of fossil fuels in a just, orderly, and equitable manner so as to achieve net zero carbon emissions by, before, or around 2050, in keeping with the science. But a large number of countries are hoping for the final text to go further by striking a landmark agreement to phase out fossil fuels rather than just presenting the choice of reducing their consumption and production. The draft text produced by the UN climate body faces fierce opposition from the EU bloc countries and small island nations. EU Climate Commissioner Hofstra said it was clearly insufficient. For the vast majority of our emissions, we have no alternative than to drive them down and out ASAP, Hochstra said. But during the weekend, the negotiators and ministers from countries around the world accused Saudi Arabia of piling pressure on Sultan al-Jabbar, COP28's president and head of the Abu Dhabi National Oil Company, to shift the focus of any agreement away from fossil fuels. Fossil fuel burning is the biggest contributor to climate change, accounting for three-quarters of greenhouse gas emissions, according to the Financial Times. The arrogance of Western nations. You know, isn't it kind of funny how so many people in the West view the entire landscape of the world as colonizers and colonized, oppressors and oppressed, and yet the environmentalists who believe this are totally happy oppressing third world nations and serving as colonizers to abuse those third world nations when it comes to fossil fuels. Many of these third world countries in Africa, in the Middle East, have vast fossil fuel reserves they could use to drive themselves out of poverty, and the Western elite would prefer to keep them in poverty. And suddenly all those good white liberals who complain about colonization and colonizers are perfectly happy to serve the role of colonizer to keep those poor countries down and out. But there are problems. Do you all understand how much of your daily life encounters fossil fuels, fabrics, materials related to your cars, even if you have a battery-powered car, where do the tires come from? 
lubricants needed in the real world based on oils. It's not just cars. You can't get rid of fossil fuels. We're not there yet. Even so 2050, it's not going to happen. There aren't going to be enough substitutes. And, and you know, here's the problem. I guess we're all going to go naked at some point. God help us. Because you get rid of the fossil fuels that then also make the synthetic fabrics that we use for clothing. People are going to go to cotton. Cotton is fine. Cotton is great. I love cotton, but cotton is water intensive. And so suddenly uh, there are going to be complaints about water usage in the cotton. Guess we're all going to be back to fig leaves, exposing the idiocy of this. Western elites who are upset about climate change and upset about colonizer, colonial, colonial imbalances and reforms are perfectly happy to serve as the bullies to the third world and force them to give up fossil fuels that is a means of production of their economy to elevate their people out of poverty. And the Western elite have embraced climate change and climate fear scenarios to such an extent they can't allow these countries to produce fuel. Now, meanwhile, while all of this is happening in this country, our country continues to set record oil production. Now, I've mentioned this before, but it needs to be mentioned again. It is true. More oil is now being produced in this country than at any time. More barrels of oil a day are being produced. Joe Biden could take credit for that. The problem is 2020 and COVID. Had the trend continued with Donald Trump as president, we would have well exceeded the production now. Joe Biden has curtailed, cut back, regulated, made it harder and harder to find new resources, to extract new resources. So yes, because of the markets, because of the price, oil production is going up. It's at a record, but it could be even higher. There's a problem, however, for Joe Biden. Anybody want to guess the problem for Joe Biden in this news about record oil production? It's so, so funny. That's right. Joe Biden can't brag about it because if Joe Biden brags about it, he hurts himself with young Democratic voters who care about the environment. You know how there is this idea, this belief that uh, among some Democrats that we should allow people to vote at 16. I'm starting to think we may need to move the voting age to 35 because young people are stupid and letting stupid people vote, we just come up with continuous stupid policies. I mean, just think about this. They, Joe Biden is uh, allowing oil production at a record pace in this country. Despite his best efforts, it's happening. He's taken land off the table. He's shut down areas of the country where we could produce even more oil. He's regulated more. He's been slow to permit. And yet, because of the free marketplace and because of the price of oil, gas companies, oil companies, they're producing nonetheless and producing at a record rate in spite of Joe Biden, not because of Joe Biden. Joe Biden can't brag about it because it will hurt him with young voters. In the same way, Joe Biden is having to try to thread a needle in the Middle East more than he should have to with Israel because so many young voters are pro-Hamas, pro-terrorist, anti-Israel, anti-Semitic. 
I just find it hilarious that Joe Biden can't brag about things that he should be able to brag about because he's afraid of alienating himself with young voters on the Democratic Party side. But what is also fantastic is the good people of the United Nations decided to send the climate change meetings to the Middle East to oil-producing countries. They probably decided to settle on Dubai because it doesn't produce oil anymore, but it used to. And it's part of the United Arab Emirates where Abu Dhabi produces a ton of oil, and it's right next to Saudi Arabia that produces a ton of oil. What did they expect to happen? I mean, seriously, what what do you expect? You're going to let the United Arab Emirates moderate the conversation. You're going to make the chair of it the head of the oil company for Abu Dhabi, and you don't think they're going to pull strings to cut out references to getting rid of fossil fuels? Why did you even do it? Because you wanted the virtue signal. It's deliciously ironic. And by the way, These countries are far more realistic than the Europeans when it comes to oil and gas and oil production. You're not going to get rid of this stuff. You're not going to get rid of it. You're not going to get rid of oil and gas. You're not going to get rid of its byproducts. You're not going to get rid of its use. You're not going to get rid of its need. 2050, doesn't matter. You're not going to do it. You, You can't replace those synthetics. Those synthetics replace other things. You know, part of the irony is a lot of people wanted to move to these synthetics to get out of cotton because of the amount of water cons- uh, used to produce cotton. They wanted to get rid of it, so they decided to go to the synthetics, but the synthetics are made of fossil fuels, and now we got to go get rid of that and go back to the cotton where there's not enough water. They'll make everybody go naked. It's only a matter of time. Can you imagine that? No, no, we can't, but... It wouldn't surprise me. The Democrats and the left are so hostile to fossil fuels. Those fossil fuels run our economy. And so many things in our economy derive from them. Plastics, rubbers, synthetic materials, lubricants, so much. They don't have a plan to get rid of those things. Ultimately, what this is, is so much of the left wants us as a society to regress. So much of of left-wing ideology at this point is premised on punishment, that we must punish ourselves for the sins of our fathers polluting the planet, and we must give up our way of life, our basics in life, because of what the people before us did to the planet. We must be punished. It is a religious ideology. There's no grace. There's little mercy. But it's a religious ideology. Environmentalism has become a religion. And in that religion, it's one of those religions where people flog themselves at night to suffer the pain and, and of the, the, the sins of those who came before them. And they want to flog all of us. They want to punish all of us. They want us all to give up. But most people aren't going to. And you know, the dirty little secret is these third world countries, they're going to want to produce their oil. They're going to want to pull it out of the ground. And though Europe may not buy it and the United States may may not buy it, there are a lot of other countries, including China, will. China will buy the oil from these countries, even if we don't. We're not going to stop it. 
and there's a level of Western arrogance in thinking that we will. The very same people who lecture us on colonialism and oppression and, and woke intersectional theories, they're perfectly happy to be oppressors to stop the oil from coming out of the ground, and they're not going to be able to do it, which makes it all the funnier that they've set themselves up for this. You saw it coming. They've set themselves up for it, and now they're going to fail. And you know what that means? More people gluing their butts to sidewalks and streets and paintings in a vain, lame effort to try to stop all of it. They're not going to stop. Now, don't you stop until you go to Vision Computers. Listen, y'all, Christmas is coming up. You got to start thinking about this. Technology purchases for your kids, your family, even people at your office. Vision can take care of it. They can service it for you. They can even help you with products you didn't buy there, tech products. They're so good. Visioncomputers.com or 404 Compute. Vision can build you a laptop or a desktop, a PC. They can then be your service department. You get a special phone number that you get to call. Nobody else gets to call it. 15 seconds or less, they answer your question. You don't know how to do something on your computer. You call Vision Computer faster than Google search. They tell you how to do it. You got a problem with your computer. They can remote into your computer. They can solve the problem for you. They can walk you through setting up your printer, walk you through setting up your email, walk you through setting up your computer. They can do it all. Their tech support is fantastic. It's gotten my kid out of a bind several times. They've been able to explain things to him that I couldn't explain to him because uh, I don't use Windows as much as he does, and, and it's just been a lifesaver for our family. They can do it for you. They can do it for your business as well. If you got a small business and you need multiple computers, let Vision build them and then be your service department, be your tech support, be your in-house IT. Visioncomputers.com, or better yet, call them, 404-COMPUTE, anywhere nationwide. Those of you up in Grand Forks, North Dakota, new to us, you can call Vision at 404-COMPUTE. Tell them I sent you. They'll save you money. They'll send you computers. They'll be your tech support to anyone nationwide. 404-COMPUTE. Tell Vision I sent you. They'll give you an even better deal. Visioncomputers.com or 404-COMPUTE. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson. The phone number, 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, if you want to understand a lot of the hysteria about Donald Trump from the left, it's the same hysteria about the Supreme Court, the Senate, states, things like that. It's as the left loses control, they attempt to delegitimize. Now, you all know my position on Trump, but I have to tell you, the idea that somehow Donald Trump firing a bunch of people in the bureaucracy and and putting loyalists in, uh, that doesn't actually scare me at all. In fact, if anything, the federal bureaucracy needs to be purged of the progressives who have embedded. So one of the things I don't think people realize is that under federal law, a lot of political appointees of uh, presidential administrations, when the, their president leaves office, they can convert from a political appointee into the civil service if there's a position available for them. And in Democratic administrations, that tends to happen a lot. And in Republican administrations, it doesn't because Republicans want to go out and work in the free market, not in the career civil service. But the Democrats are willing to embed themselves within the bureaucracy to undermine the incoming Republican president. And the only way to fix that is to purge the bureaucracy. The bureaucracy serves at the pleasure of the president, or it should, but Democrats have been hiding behind civil service rules to avoid being purged so that they can work as a, a rear guard effort inside administrations to undermine Republican presidents. If Donald Trump wants to fire everyone in the federal bureaucracy and replace them, I don't have a problem with it. And the only reason Democrats have a problem with it is because, well, it's a bunch of Democrats who are going to get fired. 
The Democrats lost control of the United States Supreme Court definitively, and now they've decided to undermine it. Every time they lose control of the Senate, they decide to undermine it. They lose control of the House, they want to undermine it. They lose control of the bureaucracy, they're going to undermine it. The fear scenarios about Donald Trump putting Republicans in positions of power has everything to do with loss of control by the Democrats and nothing to do with them trying to think that somehow the system will be bad in a dictatorship. The reality is, God bless the Heritage Foundation and the other outside groups for going on and setting up uh, piles of resumes and vetting people now, because otherwise it takes you two years of a four-year administration to be fully staffed. But thanks to the Heritage Foundation and these other outside groups that are vetting people now, you can go on and stock up the administration on day one with vetted people. And a lot of these positions, remember, thanks to the laziness of the Senate, the Senate passed a law that essentially allowed a massive number of these people to be appointed by the president without Senate confirmation. And they're not now going to be able to undo that. So the president can pile in a bunch of conservatives in the bureaucracy and reform the bureaucracy very easily, thanks to Democrats passing laws to allow that to happen. Aha, there's nothing wrong with it.